At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. The cathedral is quiet. The last service was years ago. Brooding in the rafters, a figure could be seen lurking about. A truck drives by, bright halogens shining through the windows, illuminating the blue-skinned figure as Nightcrawler turns his head from the light. The truck stops outside and a figure can be heard getting out and walking up to the building. A boarded-up window starts denting, then caving in as the shredder bounds into the space. This will make a wonderful new base of operations for the Foot Clan. You would dare defame this place with your presence? Nightcrawler mumbles, teleporting to floor level, and without another word, the mutant launches into an attack to protect this house of worship. It's X-Men versus Foot Clan. It's Mutant versus Ninja. It's Nightcrawler versus Shredder. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanus. In today's episode, we have a new contender facing off against a returning character making a second appearance in a redemption match of all things. In one corner, you have Nightcrawler, a longtime hero from the X-Men versus Shredder, the nemesis of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this match has been discussed, and yeah, not once. Yeah, not even one time. 
Yeah, has this exact matchup been discussed online? Like, nothing at all. And we all know that if it didn't happen online, then obviously it never happened ever because that's just common sense. So, yet again, Who Would Win brings the world a new and unique geek culture fight, and you're welcome. Ray, what do you think of today's matchup? I'm excited about repping Shredder again. I do feel like he got a real bum deal. Uh, I don't want to blame the judge in that particular battle, but I'm going to blame the judge in that particular battle. One of the worst, one of the worst experiences of who would win history was having to sit through with a judge who just didn't get what this show is, that just didn't understand what we're doing here, and who refused to listen to a single point as he had already made up his mind when he walked in the door of the studio. Today, I believe we have a better judge to judge a Shredder battle, and I believe today is the day that Shredder will get his redemption. Shredder's one of my favorite characters. Love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I also have to agree he had a tough opponent, but I, I just feel like he didn't get a fair you know, look from the judge in that battle. So I'm very interested and happy, actually, that you get to bring back and kind of give him you know, back some self-respect that he needs so desperately, especially after that one-sided win. Now, listen, Ray, you and I get hit with a lot of questions, emails, DMs from a lot of people, and sometimes they're great, sometimes they're like, eh, and sometimes they're worth looking at. And I got this interesting DM on Twitter. It was another day, or a few days ago. It's from one of my followers who said they had some very important questions that only we could answer. Oh, interesting. I mean, they emphasize that. So I took well, we are experts in all Sorry, things, took, so it makes sense. It does, right? Yeah. So um, I, I looked at the questions, and he's absolutely incorrect. These questions are neither oh, important, nor can they only be answered by us, but they are interesting. So, Ray, let's answer some fan mail questions, you know, just to see you know, what we think about these things. Okay, Ray, question number one. Okay. This is really important. Is cereal soup? We are not going down this path, I sure hope. Uh, yes, cereal is technically soup, although I consider soup to be hot, but then gazpacho exists, thus proving me wrong. Therefore, cereal, I suppose, has to be soup, but I hate these arguments. A hot dog is a sandwich. Let's move on. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I disagree. Cereal is not a soup. It's uh, it's something else. Next one. This is actually really cool. How many chickens, I can't believe someone asked me this, how many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? Ray, what's your what's your answer on that? Well, only one chicken if you stuff it down his throat far enough. It's as if you're speaking from experience. I'd also say that it takes one chicken, and we all know the chicken we're talking about, correct? Oh, yeah, very powerful. Yeah, very powerful chicken. All right, last one, Ray. Would you rather have no nose or no arms? Oh, man, no nose or no arms. Well, to be fair, if I didn't have a nose... I wouldn't have to, you know, smell the farts of the world. But if I didn't have arms, I couldn't play Xbox. So I'm going to go with Xbox and no smelling farts. That's actually a win-win. I'll be Voldemort. I'll pay that price. I saw a recent picture of you at the gym. It's already kind of like you have no arms. So white might as well go with no arms anyway, just to complete the whole picture. All right, listen, these questions were ridiculous. I will say I will encourage our legion of audience, our fan base to keep saying them because I know Ray loves answering them so much. And uh, oh, yes. you know, just getting Ray to kind of go nuts. And if it's just a thing I love to do. If there's one Go thing I, I, you know I love, James, it's interacting with our fans. Oh, oh, I, it's my dream. My dream is giving them an open window to talk to me. Oh, oh, is this heaven? Have I passed and gone to heaven? Oh, the pearly gates are here, and all the fans of Who Would Win get to ask me questions. What a dream. We're on the same page, Ray. So for our lucky patrons, I'll be posting Ray Stacanus' phone number 
later on tonight. Go ahead. Feel free to text him. Call him directly. He loves it. Call him at all hours of the night. He's got two little ones at home. That's fine. Just you keep know, calling we have and fans let him know any all, question you may have. We have fans all around the world, James, so they'll be calling me whenever it's, whenever it's convenient for them. Probably. That's fine. I've called you a few things before. All right. Now, these are all important things. Speaking of important, it's time to introduce our next guest judge making another appearance on the Hollywood Win Show. It's comedian, producer of comics, watching comics, and the host of Gutting the Sacred Cow podcast is the one, the only, Kevin Goatee. Kevin, welcome back to Who Would Win. Oh, gentlemen, it has been more than a fortnight, and my heart will not forgive you, but in, for the meantime, it shall. And by the way, cereal is not soup, you big dodo head. I mean, uh, I don't know. Soup is liquid. Kevin. Cereal is dry. There is no comparison. Uh, there's milk in the cereal unless you're a uh, monster. No, I not, did not, not say not, wet cereal, Ray. No one, not everyone puts milk in cereal. Look, the question implies the wet cereal. Otherwise, it's the dumbest nope. question in the history of questions. Do they sell cereal? Do they sell milk in cereal? No, they do not. Thank you very much. Next question. Lawyered. Okay. Thank you, James. I, I, I'm, you're welcome. And uh, I'll accept bribery you, in the form of on, 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 on my Venmo is at Kevin Goatee. That'd be, I'd be much appreciated. Thank you. The, the Bitcoin's been transferred, by the way. Okay, now, Kevin, <laughs> yes. what have you been up to since last time you were on the show? James, Ray, we've been up to a lot. We've had leaps and bounds in our listenership, and I want to take this opportunity for a serious moment, just one, and thank your fine audience because we have had one hell of a crossover appeal with our podcast and yours. People love when you're on my podcast and vice versa. So we want to thank all the folks, the friends, everybody who come over from the Who Would Win show because we get the messages. Hey, you heard you on Who Would Win. You're hilarious. And they give us a chance. Pal, new friend. Thank you so much. What else is new? Well, folks, well, all you uh, Who Would Win friends, we are having a live show, a second live show. We did one last year in the middle of COVID. Guess what? All the restraints are off. We are having a live show March 28th at the Carasota's Movie Theater in Secaucus, New Jersey, only 10 minutes outside of Manhattan, where we're bringing back Bill and Joanne, who did last year The Karate Kid. This year, they have chosen to take on the 1999 classic, Office Space. What does this mean? You're going to come to the theater with us. We're going to watch Office Space. We're going to tape a live episode right then and there. We will be drinking throughout the process. So good times are abound. And of course, you will be able to hear the episode for those who can't get out there on our podcast, Gutting the Sacred Cow, which of course, tickets and all the podcast platforms you can find, guttingthesacredcow.com. That's a promo, guys. Love, that's a promo. I love Gutting the Sacred Cow. Excellent show. And, and there's a few podcasts that I actually refer to as shows, and yours Thank is definitely you. one of them. So I love I love the talent you have on it. I love the format. Always fun. Highly recommend. Legion of Audience. Subscribe to Gutting the Sacred Cow right now and yeah. leave a comment and just listen to that kind of that show. I've definitely listened to exactly two episodes of your show, and I will tell you, <laughs> I was brilliant on both of them. Oh. I love when Ray doesn't tell the truth because I have screenshots to prove it. Love the last episode. Love the twist. Lo Delvin Cox, when he came on and did Jaws, can you believe that? Ugh. I have receipts. Oh, you know what? I just subscribed to the newsletter. They just tell me what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Hey, I do have one last question for you, Kevin. So you're sure. definitely what I would call a movie expert, right? You just are. You know films in and out. You know what makes a good movie, a bad movie, and all that. Is there – I know you've been asked this before, but you know it's new to the Legion of Audience. Is there a movie – that you absolutely hate that everybody else loves. 
100%. In fact, every year, Kevin Israel and I pick one apiece and do that. We, we, we switch the roles and sit in the gutters chair, and then we have uh, some of our friends of the show come sit in with us. This past year, I did The Princess Bride. Kevin Ooh. Israel, yeah, that film's terrible mm. and so overrated. <laughs> oh, it's garbage. And Kevin Israel, I forgot what he did. I have to pull it up. But yeah, and then the year before that, he, we, he did The Shining, and I did A oh, Christmas I, Story. I got the newsletter. I think he did 300. He did 300. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, so how, we pick a film every year. like The Princess Bride? Andre I'll the Giant's you, performance yeah, was stellar. Yeah, yeah. You know what else was, was not stellar? Inconceivable. The film is propped up on two <laughs> pillars, and that is, and that are the those are the people who just remember Inconceivable as well as My Name is Inigo Montoya, blah, blah, blah. Those are the quotes that people recite and love. Now, right. watch it as an adult. You'll say, you know what? There's more to this film, just kidding, than those two quotes. It really isn't. <laughs> Billy Crystal's character, annoying. And we've seen the princess, you know, falling in love with a commoner a million times. You know what? Disney did it, and they did it a lot better than what this was done. There are not there aren't any jokes. Andre the Giant viciously underused and a sad, sad attempt and not a funny film. And by the way, I forgot Fred Savage was in this. I bet he forgot he was too. And Peter Falk shows up to tell tell his grandkid a story in a full trench coat suit and tie. What kind of grandfather shows up and he's going to awake? Get out of here. That doesn't happen. Well, that film's he just terrible. murdered someone clearly. He just put a hit out, you know, he, he, you know, killed someone and he's like, okay, I better read to my grandkid. It's a common mob thing. Listen, guys, this is, this is fun, but we got to get down to business. We got two great competitors. We've got an amazing judge. I'm here to defend Nightcrawler. Ray also showed up. It is about that time. So with all that being said, Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Marvel Comics, the mutant who defines the saying, blink and you'll miss him, Nightcrawler. And currently representing IDW Comics, the ninja who brings a lot of power to the table, especially if you need a can of baked beans opened, The Shredder. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Okay, so Ray, you kind of just said, but what version specifically of Shredder will you be using today? Ah, that's the twist. Today, I'm going to be using the animated version of the Shredder, Previously, I had used the comic book version. I'm going with the one from animated programs today. Is there a version? Like, is there? Is it the '80s version? Is well, it the early 2000s? You've got 2000s? the '80s version. You got the early 2000s version, and I just consider it all the animated version. And I think that's perfectly fine for what we're doing today. <laughs> Might as well toss rule number three. Listen, I'm just going to cut to the chase. I'm using the Marvel Comics, the Marvel 616 Universe version of it. Although I loved uh, the Nightcrawler from, I think it was the second X-Men movie back in the day. It was absolutely fantastic. And you're not, but you're not going to use... not enough to draw upon. You're not going to use Jake Gyllenhaal for this battle? That's the one I prepared for. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. And then, uh, yeah, hell no. Why would I do that? Oh. All right. Rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes. Rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. 
by the way, it's time to celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today and what is their battle? Today's patron comes all the way from jolly old England, and her name is Helen. Helen the patron who is a patron in pounds. How about that? That's fancy. I think so. Okay, and, so, and Helen needs a villain, correct? Well, Helen needs somebody to oppose James. Who is Helen going to be facing today? Thank you very much. I think because she's from the UK, I want her to fight Voldemort. Voldemort versus Helen. Now, this is the thing. Because what Voldemort doesn't know is that Helen is secretly the eighth Horcrux. Yes, he tried to attack Harry Potter as a baby, got the lightning bolt on his head, and ended up imbuing with him the power of his own immortal self. Now, Helen, being the eighth Horcrux, actually showed up at the Battle of Hogwarts in the middle of the fight, and Harry and him are flying through the air, and they're trying to stab, and they're pulling each other's faces off, and they're flying through the air and everything, and Harry thinks that he's knocked Voldemort down for good. But who was waiting there at the bottom of the cliff? Helen. And she looks right at him. She takes off the hockey mask that she was wearing, Jason Voorhees style, and she goes, you remember me, Voldemort? I'm your worst nightmare. And then she zaps him with a wand. His head explodes, eyeballs everywhere, somehow more than two. And Helen defeats Voldemort after the Battle of Hogwarts. I mean, this all tracks. In fact, uh, rumor has it that J.K. Rowling's actually writing this exact novel it's true. as we speak. This will be a film in about three to four years. I have to give the win to Helen as well. I think you wrapped her perfectly. And uh, Voldemort, the moment I said it, I realized, shoot, you know what? I just don't think he's powerful enough. Ray, great job. Now, remember... Yeah, congratulations, Helen. Remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. I wanted to take a moment to let all of you know about Magic Mind. Magic Mind is a little magical elixir that makes your body hum. Magic Mind is a little green shot that helps boost your energy, maintain focus, and enhance your calm. You drink it alongside your morning caffeine. Just let it do the work. I use it anytime I need to get that extra mental boost, whether it's before a big Hollywood pitch meeting, teaching MMA class, or especially when I'm about to debate Ray in an episode of Who Would Win, I absolutely make sure to take my shot of Magic Mind. You're not going to believe this, but real talk here. The very first day I tried Magic Mind, my wife came over to me in the dining room and told me that I was much calmer than usual. She didn't even know I had tried Magic Mind. Look, if it can bring me inner calm, you should have no problem seeing it in yourself as well. If you'd like to take the seven-day challenge, just go to magicmind.co slash www and use discount code www at checkout for 20% off your order. Once again, that's magicmind.co slash www with discount code www to take 20% off. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. 
Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring... You can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to US Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. Indeed's going to do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WWW. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash WWW. Indeed.com slash WWW. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Shredder. The Shredder is the villainous leader of the criminal organization, the Foot Clan. He was created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird and first appeared in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number one, back in 1984. In the original comics, Aruku Saki was a ninja who wanted to revenge quest the death of his brother by the hand of another ninja named Hamato Yoshi. Joining the Foot Clan and rising up their ranks, Saki took over the American operation and eventually killed Yoshi. Only to be accosted by his mutated pet rat and his turtle friends some 13 years later. He's gone through several reimaginings since then, but the core of the character generally stays the same. Highly skilled ninja wearing bladed armor who fights ninja turtles. Fun fact, last time he was on the show, I brought up how Shredder's costume design was originally based on a cheese grater. This is well known by now, but did you know that he shares one trait in common with Tom Cruise, 
Bill Gates, Julius Caesar, as well as presidents Ronald Reagan and Barack Obama? That trait is that he is left-handed. Yes, Shredder Mm. is among the 10% of the population whose left hand is dominant, and a fun costume design choice occasionally used is that his bladed glove is only worn on his dominant left hand. That is the Shredder. So Shredder's a southpaw. That's right. Yeah, interesting. Okay, that kind of explains a few cool things. All right, well done. Right now, let's talk about Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler was created by writer Len Wayne and artist Dave Cockrum and debuted in Giant Size X-Men number one back in May of 1975. Nightcrawler, a.k.a. Kurt Wagner, is a mutant and longtime member of the X-Men. He was born in Germany to Mystique and the demonic mutant Azazel, but abandoned shortly afterwards. Luckily... Or not, Kurt was rescued and raised by the powerful gypsy sorceress Margali to become a circus performer of all things. He had a relatively happy childhood and was close with his adopted brother and sister, but his appearance and powers increasingly brought him negative attention. He found refuge, however, in the Catholic Church and has been a devout Catholic ever since, even becoming a priest later in life. As a young man, he had to confront his brother over a series of murders, and it resulted in his brother's death. The locals then blamed Kurt for the murders and mobs and attacked him. Luckily, Professor X arrived to save Kurt and recruit him as a new student X-Men team member, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler has gone on countless adventures with the X-Men to protect mutants and humans alike, and has helped save the planet and even the universe. And here's an interesting fact about Nightcrawler. Did you know that Nightcrawler was this close to actually being a character in DC Comics? It's true. So Dave Cockrum submitted the Nightcrawler character to DC Comics, where he was originally supposed to be a demon from hell that failed a mission and was banished and then subsequently became a member a member of the Legion of Superheroes, a superhero group that Superman's associated with, and they exist about a thousand years in the future. However, DC Comics rejected the Nightcrawler character, so when Cockrum started work in Marvel on the new X-Men 1975, he said, hey, I got an idea for a character, and just brought Nightcrawler completely over kind of changed his costume a little bit and said, hey, now this is an X-Men. By the way, he kind of used a character from Legion of Superheroes and based one of the X-Men off of that in a reversal, and that was Timberwolf from Legion of Superheroes, who he based Wolverine, of all people, off of. So there's a Legion of Superheroes X-Men connection happening. Now, and now you have the facts on both opponents. Kevin, do you have any questions before we get started? Boy, this is my third time dancing with you. I'm ready to roll. Let's do it. All right, you are a veteran, good sir, so you are ready. Go ahead, Ray, hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Shredder. Let's just open up with some of the basic things we know about this character. He is a ninja warrior. He is a master of ninjutsu. Now, ninjutsu is not just like karate, as we know from the critically acclaimed Cobra Kai TV show. Ninjutsu is actually 18 different disciplines that you can be varying levels in, you know, in order to do it. Well, the Shredder, he's a master of all 18 disciplines. Will I list them off for you right now? No, I will not. But they involve various combats, whether they be unarmed, with weapons, with swords, but also, you know, horsemanship and uh, stealth. A lot of like stealth mechanics as well. So he is a master of all 18 crafts of ninjutsu. He's had a level of training in this ninja training that is far beyond, I think, anything that Nightcrawler has been able to put together. I'm not going to say Nightcrawler is untrained because that would be a lie. But I would say that the advanced level of ninjutsu training that goes back literal like thousands of years is definitely going to put you in a position to kill a little bit better than the X-Men training potentially will. But let's talk about some of the items that he carries with him because he wears on his head a helmet called Kuro Kabuto. 
And that is a 1,500-year-old helmet that was forged uh, from this very, very powerful metal, and it is said to be stronger than steel. I think if we were to relate, you know, apples to apples, it would be the equivalent of an adamantium helmet in that it's it's so durable and swords bounce off of it, etc., etc., just like you would see with adamantium in the Marvel Comics universe. So he's wearing this adamantium helmet with the spikes on it so he can actually gore people. And let's talk about the spikes for a sec because he wears armor. We've seen him wear the armor. He's wearing a full chainmail with the robe and the cape, but he's also got the bladed uh, greaves and then the bladed forearm shots and the shoulders and the head. So he's got, you know, his armor is a weapon. If you can, if you get in close with him, all he's doing through dodging and blocking you is probably hurting you, right? There's not too many other characters whose literal armor is a full-on weapon, so you have to be very, very careful when you attack him, because if he parries your blow, or it even rolls and dodges, legitimate chance he carves you up along the way without even throwing an offensive maneuver of his own. That's going to be very, very important when dealing with a lightning-fast character like Nightcrawler. All you got to do is make him miss by a little bit, and you can get him. He also has been known to uh, fight very, very well. Look, he's a ninja warrior. I've got some more fight... uh, Uh, feats a little bit later on but we've seen him in combat fight and defeat all four of the teenage mutant ninja turtles at the same time and we all know from james repping them uh before twice he's repped ninja turtle adjacent or ninja turtles on this show and James will tell you right now, I think they can do infinite mass punch as far as he's concerned. But the whole point is here is that they have very hard shells. They're very, very fast. They're very, very large. They're very, very agile and strong. If he can fight all four of them at the same time and come out on top, one Nightcrawler probably is not going to have enough tricks when all he has to do is focus on one enemy instead of four. And the last thing, oh, two other things to bring up. His uh, Teko Kagi claws are the sharp blades that are, are part of his uh, claws, part of his gloves. Those have been known to cut through basically any substance at all. We've seen him uh, cut through things like a, a large trunk of a tree, uh, as well as other things, and just blow them out. So if he gets one chance to hit Nightcrawler, and he will get many chances to hit Nightcrawler, <laughs> he's going to tear him up. One shot to Nightcrawler is absolutely going to put him down because... He's been shown in the animated series to move at faster than the eye can see speed. There's one point when he's across the table from a guy eating a meatball who's like a mob boss trying to intimidate him, and the Shredder pulls out his sword and swings it so fast you don't even see motion, you just see the meatball get carved in half and fall off the guy's fork. If you can move that fast to attack a meatball, you can attack Nightcrawler with enough speed to land some hits, and that's my point number one. I mean, these are all really interesting points because we've never defined, you know, in combat meatball speed. That's something we should absolutely use from now on in the Who Would Win show. If you're fast enough to cut a meatball that someone's about to eat who's sitting down and not fighting whatsoever is literally eating and you can cut that meatball, that must mean you're an invincible warrior. I really appreciate the math in that one race to Kansas. I'm going to okay. tell you right now, so James Gavesy, if, if I'm trying to eat a meatball on a fork and as I'm moving it and I don't see anything around me move and that meatball suddenly gets cut in half and falls into my lap, I know there's a powerful ninja nearby. Okay, again, as if there's a force on Earth that could remove a meatball that has a trajectory to your mouth. What you tell me, if Superman's sitting across from you and he's like, I'm taking that meatball before Ray can eat it, my money's on Ray Stacanus eating and downing that meatball. Well, no, if I'm the one eating the meatball, yeah, no, you're 100% right about that. Nobody stopped me from eating that meatball. Superman, you're in trouble. 
That's right. Okay. Now, um, by the way, that's laughable that you say like, oh, he's got this steel. I'll give you this thing. I do think the steel on his helmet or whatever is probably some cool alloy that's much stronger than, you know, regular metal or what have you. But does, you know, kind of say, hey, this is adamantium level stuff. Adamantium is stuff that lightsabers can't cut through. Guaranteed a lightsaber can cut through whatever's on Shredder's armor or what have you. It is strong, but it's not insanely strong. I'm sure he goes to Home Depot or what have you and gets the metal, the same metal that we use for our armor when we go out adventuring. Now, um, as far as ninjutsu goes, you're right. It's an older style. He uses it really well. He's vicious, so I can't really argue that. But I will say that his ninjutsu style is really um, designed for conventional fighting against people who have enhanced physicals that don't kind of have an out-of-the-box power. And more on that later. So let me get to my point number one. Talking about out-of-the-box powers, let's talk about Nightcrawler's teleportation. This is what this character is known for. So he teleports by, and this is according to the Marvel Wiki, displacing himself into the brimstone dimension. He travels through it in an instant and he returns back into our own dimension so quick that he doesn't even know that he went through the dimension. And, you know, in comic books, you'll hear it, you'll see the word BAMF, B-A-M-F, spelt out, and this pink cloud of, you know, which is like just remnants from the uh, brimstone dimension that smells like sulfur or, you know, Ray coming out of the bathroom, whatever it is. That's how you know he's just teleported. You see the pink cloud, the bamf, and there you go. So the thing is that with his teleportation, he knows how to weaponize it, and he's developed it like a really crazy fighting technique. So he's teleported up to 7,853 miles uh, you know, across at one time. He went from Dubai to this area called the Savage Land in the Marvel Universe. That's close to Antarctica. He can teleport as high as low orbit if he needs to. He can also teleport across dimensions. He somehow tunes into a frequency of that dimension, and then he can tune into it and then teleport back from it once he's there. He's he can teleport people and heavy objects with him. This one's really cool. The limitation is the heavier the object, the harder it is for him to teleport a far distance. However, touching something like a car and teleporting 15 feet into the air with it so that drops on someone directly underneath isn't a problem. Again, he knows how to weaponize his teleportation. And for the person going along for the ride when he teleports, they feel a lot of physical discomfort. Some described, and again, I'm quoting, uh, as getting punched by Wolverine's adamantium lace bones when they teleport with um, with Nightcrawler. So even just the act of teleportation with them, if he's taken somewhere, can hurt someone pretty ba badly. Now, in a fight, Nightcrawler is a master of using his teleportation as if it was a martial arts technique practiced thousands of times because that's exactly what it is. He's got that Bruce type of mantra which is do the same thing teleport focus on that 10,000 times at least and you're going to be a master of it that's Nightcrawler so for example he's uh, Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler is able to see a bullet that's fired right at his face an inch away he can see it react and he knows how to teleport activate that teleportation it's instant so he disappears from that bullet is shot he just hears it shot he disappears teleports he's that good with it if he's in a net or he's grabbed by an opponent or tied up he can easily teleport himself out of any restraints or submission holds or grabs if he's grabbed and thrown into a wall this one's really cool so he's grabbed he's being whipped into a wall or an object or whatever, he can teleport as he's being whipped and teleport behind the person and the momentum he had while he's being whipped into the wall carries through if he wants it so then he can just travel in and kick that person in the back of the head. That's how cool his power is. Look, if an opponent rushes at him, he can easily teleport beside, above, or behind him. Uh, if a sword, spear, or flying bladed object comes at him, he's fast enough to teleport away from those objects regardless of how fast they go towards him. Again, if you can dodge a bullet being shot at you from point-blank range, a sword coming at you, whatever, 
Not going to be a problem. Here's where things get fun. Nightcrawlers use teleportation to actually take weapons and armor away from people, right? So what he does, he easily teleports. If someone's coming, he grabs whatever it is and teleports away and takes that object off of the person with him. He's known for that, for using swords, sharp objects, whatever. He can easily do that to Shredder. His teleportation is strong enough to tear that object off of the body armor. He's done that to super-powered opponents before, robots. Shredder's armor is not going to be a problem. Let's see. Uh, you know, he can grab his helmet, do all that kind of stuff, take it away. Look, used defensively, Nightcrawler would use his teleportation to, like, I don't know, easily avoid any attack from Shredder in the first place, as well as absolutely nullify his offense. I absolutely guarantee it. That's my point number one. I mean, exciting things you have to share with us right there, James. I'll be honest, I only listened to about half of it, but I hope the audience and Kevin, you, know, you probably only listened to about half of it, too. There's a few things to talk about with Nightcrawler, and that's one, his teleportation power is his best. That's his go-to. Look, if he doesn't have his teleportation power, he's in deep trouble, and he loses straight out in this battle. Without any question, Nightcrawler will get tired. He will get exhausted from overuse and overexertion of his teleportation power. You talk about him taking, like, a bus or something and then teleporting 15 uh, feet up in the air and then dropping the bus. That will severely exhaust Nightcrawler, who is stretching the limits of his teleportation at that point. And, honestly, if you drop a 15-foot uh, bus above Shredder, 15 feet above his head, Shredder's just going to get out of the way because one thing I've seen about Shredder is he's not a guy who can get caught by surprise very often. This is a guy who spent, like, thousands of years or what have you to depending on the telling of the character is uh, uh, he will, he will fight off ambushes. He's just too savvy, too good a fighter. He knows too much ninjutsu and understands stealth and surprise attacks to be fooled by really anything coming from anywhere. And the other thing that I want to say is, is that uh, Shredder has great armor about him. Nightcrawler has standard durability. If Shredder starts getting cuts in on Nightcrawler, there's no healing factor. There's no super durability going on at play here. When, not if, when Shredder starts landing hits in on Nightcrawler, he's going to start going down very, very quickly because he doesn't have any of that great defensive ability about him. I believe I just described the defensive capability. I have more to say on your points, but we'll leave that for my point number two. All right, now, Kevin, you've heard points one from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at with this battle so far? I would love to have Nightcrawler's teleportation abilities just so I can teleport uh, to watch A, Ray eat a meatball, and B, teleport to watch him do sets at the gym and so I can have myself a good old hearty chuckle. That's what I wish we could use his powers really to do. Where do I stand? Here's here's where I stand. I think James is going to take an early lead, and here's why. All Nightcrawler has to do, as you'd said, teleport to the highest highest of heights, drop a car and shredder, it's game over. That's a good way to fight off. Now, he does have the armor. Can he stop a car hurling down from the heavens at 15,000-plus miles an hour and survive? Boy, I sure don't think so. Wait a so, minute, Kevin. You're going to tell me Shredder, a master of observation and knowledge of his area, won't see a car coming from 15,000 miles above his head? That's not anything that's ever going to defeat him. Well, he also fell off the roof of the Ninja Turtles movie when he charged at Splinter and he got sidestepped and fell into a trash compactor, so I'm not going to yep. put that past him. Different version. Different version, sir. <laughs> see? <laughs> Lawyered. I give, uh, Lawyered. I give uh, James the early nod so far. That's a good thing, and I think we'll continue with that trend as we go along with this matchup. Uh, now, now listen, I, I don't want to put anything past Shredder. I mean, Shredder's actually really awesome. Every iteration's fantastic. All right, Ray, I'm slightly ahead. Just wanted to kind of reiterate no, that. Have a meatball and tell us what you got for point number two. 
Point number two for the Shredder. Let's just talk about some of the crazy feats and accomplishments that this character has done. Look, I've already shown that th he's, he's not going to get hit by a car, Kevin. That is a terrible point. You should not be siding with it. Shame on you. But I'm going to go ahead and give you some things you should be siding with. Because All he right. has an endurance. He has a durability that Nightcrawler does not possess. Nightcrawler relies on the fact that you're not going to hit him. But if you do hit him, especially with a character like Shredder, you're going to make short work of him. But the same cannot be said the other way around. There's a huge uh, monster mutant creature called Leatherhead. And Leatherhead is a giant uh, alligator, like walking alligator thing that's like, what, 15, 20 feet tall? Took a bite right into the midsection of Shredder on the animated show. It's a move that absolutely should have separated him into two pieces and flung them one to Paramus and the other to Boise. All right? That's exactly what should have happened. But what happened instead is he ended up shaking him a few times like Jaws and then threw him through a side of a building. Shredder was up and fighting almost immediately afterwards, having not been snapped in half, with seemingly no damage done to him whatsoever. And we're talking about a, a massive gator, mutant gator jaws, clamping down in his midsection. He should have been killed, but he wasn't. Why? Because he has the durability to take those kind of shots. So what exactly is Nightcrawler going to do? Try to take his glove off his hand? That's a way to get stabbed, all right? Not even feeling that whatsoever. Ever. Uh, Shredder is, is a wonderful fighter, and I said it before, but I'd like to expound upon that a little bit, because one of the great things that Shredder could do, being a master of ninjutsu, is he could establish what his opponent's attack patterns are, and that he can pick a spot, play defense, play defense, teleport, okay, so I know he's going to keep trying to come from behind me, or off to the side, or up a little bit above me, I, and he's going to be able to figure out where Nightcrawler is coming from. And he's going to be able to pick that right moment to strike with that bladed glove. Because Nightcrawler has to come in physically. Nightcrawler ain't going to be using a machine gun. He's not going to be using any kind of force lightning. He's not doing anything like that. He's coming in with punches, kicks, and tail whips. And none of that's going to be enough against a character who's made of blades. Who can find the perfect spot to strike you when it's going to hurt you the absolute worst. We've also seen Shredder use holograms before. We've seen Shredder in the cartoons use holograms to confuse his opponents and make it so that Nightcrawler has to attack the wrong one. If Nightcrawler attacks a hologram, the Shredder's got him right on there. At the cartoons, we've seen him backflip onto a tree branch, as I said before, one-shot the entire tree branch to knock it down onto the people he was, the thugs that he was fighting below. That's that kind of maneuver actually working from somebody who can actually do it and has actually shown that they will do it. And I have a specific example, not theory crafting like James is doing here. He also uh, threw a punching bag up in the air, threw it straight up in the air of this gym, did three slices to it with his blades, cut it into three like pizza-sized uh, discs, and then everybody in the gym, upon seeing him do this, immediately joined the Foot Clan. They did not want a piece of this guy because he is intimidating. He is an intimidating guy. He comfortably in the animated series beat Bebop and Rocksteady at 2v1. These guys are no joke. They're no slouches. They could do some real damage. He comfortably, easily beat both of them at the same time without taking a single hit. And oh, who's that one character in a side story that the Shredder has faced? Batman. He beat Batman in the comics, so, you know, you know, a little bit less weight, but it's still an impressive feat. And if you don't think beating Batman is going to go on a list somewhere, I don't care. He's happening. He fought Batman in a very, very tough battle with him the first time around in a chance random encounter, but won. He flat out won that battle. The second time they fought, he had him absolutely beaten and beaten worse than the time before, except the Ninja Turtles came in to jump him because they are bullies and they are thugs and they should just leave poor Shredder alone. 
Let them fight honorably. Let them fight 1v1 and let the Shredder kill the Batman. And if you can kill the Batman, you can kill the Nightcrawler. You can take that to the bank. And that's my point number two. Race to Canis, how dare you invoke Batman without thinking I would actually have the truth behind this. Now, I, I like where you went with that, but here's the deal. In a very recent crossover, there was two crossover miniseries. Uh, sorry for the nerdism, but that's just We don't I talk am, about the second uh, where one. Where Batman... <laughs> we, we talk about both. Batman beat Shredder so bad the first time when they all went over to Gotham. They, they came over to Gotham. Batman beat Shredder so bad that you didn't see him for the rest of the series. And then in the second series where Bane came over to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing, Batman came over and said, Shredder, do you want to help? And he's like, only on one condition. He didn't know what that condition was until the end of the series where Batman's victorious, and Shredder's like, I want a rematch. And Batman's like, fine. And that's where it ends, so you don't know. So Batman got a win on Shredder. I'm not saying Shredder's not tough. It's pretty good. Shredder won. So now, here's the thing. He pizza sliced a bag using that stuff and impressed a bunch of street toughs to join his gang. Okay, I guess that's, that's something. That's not as impressive as slicing that, you know, said meatball that the uh, mobster was using. But, you know, pizza, slicing, meatball, I see where we're going with this. Let's see, the only thing, to answer your other point before, the only thing that tires Nightcrawler, he can teleport time after time after time again at super speed. That's the thing he'll do, I'll explain that. But the only thing that tires him is if he goes super far distances. We're talking thousands upon thousands of miles, you know, typically carrying stuff or a lot of people with him. That's what tires him out. That's not this situation right so here. So it's what I said. Let's if see. he carries um, a truck now, with him, it's going to tire him. And the answer isn't thousands of miles, James. The answer is two miles. If he tries to go beyond two miles, which if he does, that's battlefield removal anyway, and I'm not worried about it. Well, he was able to do that with trucks and I think other cars and what have you when he was battling Sabretooth, like at rapid fire, and that didn't seem to tire him out too much. Just put that out there. Now, uh, let's see. You're saying Leatherhead chomped onto uh, Shredder's midsection, and that didn't right. do anything. That's a cool endurance feat. However, you're saying Leatherhead actually got the drop on Shredder, Shredder and caught him with his mouth. Is that what you're saying? Man, getting hit by a 15-foot alligator monster is not a moment of shame. It's a moment of survival. I'm not disagreeing, but I'm just saying if he was such a stealthy ninja type, don't you think he wouldn't have been caught, you know, bitten in the midsection? He didn't bite his hand. He bit him in the midsection. That's you a close-up. I got okay. the drop on a ninja. Got it. Just put it out there. That's really interesting. Even Bruce Lee and, got uh, hit from time to time. What are you talking about right now? That's right. And finally, Nightcrawler also uses holograms. Uh, he did that because, you know, he faced some prejudice about how he looked. He's also got a hologram type of thing to disguise himself. Let me get to my point number two, finally. Not to create different kind of versions of himself, to hologram himself as a different person. That's not the same thing. I am a disguise I tactic. make up facts. That's James. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Get on with your silly point number two. Here's our point number two, which is awesome. See, Nightcrawler actually has a whole bunch of uh, other powers and abilities. And, um, you know, some of these are very Spider-Man-like. Let me kind of go over them real quick. He's got these micro-suction discs on his hands and feet. And pretty much what he can do now is stick to walls and climb up walls just like Spider-Man can. That's really cool. He's got a flexible bone structure. And he can do this crazy contortion type of acrobatics fighting style. He's got superhuman flexibility. So just as you're trying to hit him, his leg is hitting you from some other spot. It's a crazy flexibility. He's got 
got a camouflage effect because his fur is so uh, dark in an indigo that he actually kind of disappears within the shadows and kind of exists in the shadows. Speaking of ultimate uh, stealth, uh, like Race to Canis, he also has a prehensile tail that actually can act like an arm. The tail can wrap around swords or pick up a person. He can actually hold, strong enough to hold a person upside down with the tail. The tail can grab a sword and he can fight like an expert using his tail with a sword. That is highly impressive. He's got night vision. He's got superhuman agility and reflexes. Again, both of these are on Spider-Man level type of things. Uh, he's also got low level super strength. The reason why I'm saying that is because he can hold someone with one arm as he climbs up a building. That's pretty cool. He's holding someone with an outstretched arm, a grown man, as he climbs up a building. At the very least, that's low-level super strength. He does have a high level of durability. And this is a really interesting because he takes hard shots from heavy hitters all the time. There's this one opponent. It was these uh, creatures that were spliced with animals. So he's facing off against someone called Frogman. Right, half frog, half guy, and Frogman's got super strength. The whole thing, and he tried. And Nightcrawler's kind of laughing, going like, "Wow, it's Frogman. Okay, whatever." And so Frogman's like, "Oh yeah, take this." And Nightcrawler just stood there and took it. And Frogman hits him with a big right cross right in the face, and then he stops and he's like, "Wait." I just hit you hard enough to knock out 12 people. By the way, I don't know how you calculate that. I've been boxing for decades. I have no idea how that works, but he was very confident that. Nightcrawler's like, cool, whatever. And then one shot KOs him right away. Super strength, super durability, at least to some level. Now let's talk about his fighting abilities. So as I mentioned before, Nightcrawler, like he uses his teleportation with his other powers in such a way to create like a really cool, it's a really different martial arts style. And he's been training for decades with this, with the X-Men. So the, the X-Men have this thing called the Danger Room. And this is the simulation training center. It's the most advanced one possibly, definitely on Earth, possibly in the galaxy, according to Marvel Comics. Any simulation, any character, any opponent you can think of, any situation, and that's what they have to face. He's been doing that for two decades. I guarantee you a Shredder type of situation is something he's absolutely faced. By the way, he trains with Wolverine all the time. That's a guy with some sticky you know, stuff that cuts you pretty easily. That's someone who's got a lot of ninja training and samurai training. That's a really crazy opponent. Trains with him all the time. Let's see. Uh, he's such a good fighter that Spider-Man came to him and asked for help in order for him to learn how to be a better fighter using a style based off agility, whatever that would help him. So he's actually helped Spider, and that's when he went to Shang-Chi and said, I need help with my fighting. And Shang-Chi's like, hey, bring in Nightcrawler, whatever. Nightcrawler was one of his instructors for fighting. What's really cool, like I said, Nightcrawler developed his own style. So he can use his teleportation to actually keep up with people with super speed. Literally, he can just teleport short distance, blah, blah, blah. He's keeping up people with super speed. He can blitz an opponent with multiple uh, teleportation jumps so he can hit them literally dozens of times in seconds from all angles. And he's an expert with his accuracy of where he's going to hit someone. He's trained his reflexes with teleportation so well. I told you already about the bullet being shot right at his head. It's positioned on his head. It's shot by the time it, the trigger is pulled. He's already teleported away. He's that fast. He's a master chess player. He's known as that. He knows how to position people, how to get them in certain positions so that he can teleport around them and move them and maneuver them. He does this all the time. He's also an expert with firearms, swords, improvised weapons. In fact, one of his go-to tactics is exactly what I talked about where he's facing someone with a weapon. He's like, great, I'll just take that from you. He's taking that with expert swords people, the whole thing, different types of blade weapons. That's his specialty. He'll grab them, remove them without getting hit, and he's gone. Remember, he's got super speed as well and super reflexes, super agility. On top of all that, he's got years upon years of fighting experience against similar opponents to Shredder or at least to opponents that have similar capabilities. There's this one character called Spiral. Spiral is this woman uh, warrior. It's an alien warrior. She's got four arms, four swords, has a helmet and armor, very similar to Shredder, has super strength, 
comes cool abilities. It's like Shredder meets General Grievous from Star Wars, and he's had a ton of encounters with them. Nothing conclusive because it's always been group battles, but she's, he's already seen that. Shredder's not going to be that big of a deal. Uh, he's fought against being such as Omega Red. That guy has super strength, super agility, he's an extra fighter, and he has a power called the Death Factor, which emits pheromones that kill you if you breathe them in. Uh, he's fought giant robots called Sentinels. He's fought against Juggernaut, Colossus, Rogue. I mean, do I have to go on? Look, this is someone who loves to fight. He's got his own fighting style, and he's someone who's very durable. Put this all together, and it's a lot of trouble for Shredder. That's my point number two. I mean, you talk about how durable he is. I mean, look, you say he took a punch from a guy named Frogman. I mean, okay, I guess. Well, I mean, I haven't seen Frogman do anything particularly powerful or meaningful or memorable. Yeah, you could have just made that up. Frogman might not even exist for all I know. So I'm not really going to take any feat involving Frogman particularly seriously. What I do know about is the official Marvel wiki says that Nightcrawler, he has no specific uh, enhanced durability. He has normal human limitations when it comes to getting hit. And a lot of these hits you're talking about are blunt force trauma. Shredder's not bringing blunt force trauma. He's bringing sharp edges and blades. And I don't see how Nightcrawler's all of a sudden going to just teleport and then take like Shredder's clothes off of him. I could see him grabbing a sword and trying to take that. Sure. But these things are like a wired like onto his body. And I'm not, I'm sorry. If you teleport to the point where you're facing the business end of one of his blades, you're about to face the business end of one of his blades. That would be one of the dumbest moves. Nightcrawler could try, but as you just said, James, he probably will. You're talking about someone who trains with Wolverine, face crazy swords people before. I think he'll be okay. All right, Kevin, you've heard two points from me. You've heard two points from me. We're now at the turning point. This is where you tell us who you think is ahead and what the other side has to do to pull out the victory. Uh, Ray's got to send me $25,000 in unmarked bills quickly because this is going to get out of hand. I do like him. I, I like the attempt of uh, the gaslighting with uh, who he's fought in the past. Now, that, that brings up a very interesting point. Who has he really fought? So I appreciate that. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of no, no, I, the frog man. That sounds like a, that sounds like the toys you're, you, you would buy. Like if your dad was a, a deadbeat and wanted to go to the drugstore and go, oh crap, it's my kid's birthday. And he goes to the drugstore to get some, you know, stuff. And he goes, frog man, that's, he's going to like frog man. Yeah. I never heard of frog man either. I'm sorry. I'm not a, not near as well versed as you two fine lads. I fully admit that, but I mean, I don't remember anyone ever having a Frogman lunchbox during uh, the 1980s or 90s, for that matter. So, yeah, it's uh, right now. I give this next round, I call it even. So James is still ahead. This one was a push. I think Ray's going to have to really come out strong to at least tie, and then for the win, it's going to take uh, it's going to take an act of God. But have at it, sir. Two things I got to say. We've been here before. We're seemingly raised on the precipice of defeat, and he pulls out a victory. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on this. I'm not so confident. And secondly, so you're saying Frogman's not really a good Christmas present? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> when my dad got me, like, all that stuff from the drugstore and said this? I'm and saying that those, this was the, part of the He-Man collection? Yeah, this is, this is grounds for Child Protective Services to come on in and go, you know what? You guys are starting doing the job. Yeah, I think you found the Frogman uh, action figures at the 99 cent store right next to Robert Cop and Batsman. <laughs> Robert Cop. Oh, it's good. worse. It's worse. It was the French Canadian CVS. Um, L'homme de Grenouille. Yeah. <laughs> Figure oh. that one out. Can't. Yeah, that's not a great Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that's no, that's uh, I mean, that's, it's going to be an awkward Christmas this year. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Now, Ray, 
You're on the ropes. But let's see what you can do. Hit us with your point number three. James, I'm never on the ropes. I just use them to hang you. Point number three, we're going to talk about what happens when Shredder is pushed to his limits, which has happened multiple times throughout many different iterations of the cartoon and animated series. Now, I still don't believe Nightcrawler has enough to actually do damage to Shredder. I haven't really heard anything uh, uh, that appreciably makes me feel that way other than James, you saying he's going to like grab a bus and then appear 15 feet above his head. But Shredder would just dodge out of the way of that. Shredder can anticipate those kind of attacks when he sees Nightcrawler disappear appear with a bus after establishing that he could teleport and if he suddenly disappears with a bus he's going to just start taking evasive maneuvers or get under something he's not just gonna let nightcrawler do him like that because also nightcrawler has to pick where he's going when he teleports so if he teleports and shredder moves nightcrawler's gonna go wherever he's gonna go and the bus is gonna miss anyway because shredder isn't in that spot any more but what happens when shredder's pushed to his limits as you and kevin allegedly think he might be in this battle he takes the mutagen he's always got it on him and he becomes the super shredder if you thought regular shredder was crazy enough super shredder a constant form that he often takes is a superhuman enhanced version of shredder where he's still able to fight, wear the same armor, except it becomes even more like a uh, uh, monstrous in that instead of wearing the spikes, now he becomes the spikes and he ends up mutating into a more powerful version of himself, giving himself superhuman strength to the point where he was able to grab an oil tanker and throw it. He didn't need teleportation tricks to sort sort of slide it around using the, uh, the, the portal effects. No, he just grabbed it with good old fashioned super strength and then threw it at somebody. Also superhuman endurance. He's already got crazy endurance as established by the leather head feet, but this takes his endurance one step even further. Also, he gains the ability to teleport. He can teleport himself when in super shredder mode. What's the best way to deal with somebody who can teleport? You teleport yourself right at the same time. Also, lightning attacks. Not only does he gain super strength, superhuman endurance, he gains superpowers like the ability to shoot lightning through the ground and at people. He can use lightning attacks at a distance. And there's one thing I know from the X-Men is that what happens when a nightcrawler gets struck by lightning... The same thing as everybody else, James Gavsey. And the other thing we had to talk about is the character of Nightcrawler by himself because the animated version of Shredder generally does pretty good. We've seen him in the live action movies and that character was killed, came back. We've seen him in the comic books. That character has been killed, came back. Haven't really seen Shredder in the animated series get killed. Whereas Nightcrawler in the comic book version you're talking about has died three separate times. This is a character who's used to dying and coming back, which is a little bit wild because he's a super religious character who has his own feelings on what's supposed to happen at that point. But then he keeps getting resurrected and coming back. Interesting stories of faith has nothing to do with this battle. I just thought that was a very interesting twist on the character. Point is, Shredder doesn't die. He has an enhanced, super powered form and Nightcrawler dies all the time. You put these two together in a match one, I think Shredder just wins outright without having to become Super Shredder. But if it is like you'd like to think it is, and Nightcrawler starts pushing him a little bit, boop, 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 out comes the vial of mutagen, pours it all over his head, and he becomes a super enhanced character that Nightcrawler has no answers for whatsoever. And that's my point number three. Wow, that's interesting, because I think it was the second last Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series I was watching with my kids. 
um, because they're really young, and that seemed to keep them really quiet for a while, which was great for me. Uh, I do believe Shredder did die in that one. He did go to Super Shredder, but he did die in the second last series, so he doesn't escape death uh, completely. By the way, that's not a slam on Shredder. It's just that, you know, all good characters may die here and there. You know, un- unless that, you see the body and go to the funeral, I don't believe they're dead. <laughs> I've seen too many TV shows. That's that's a good way to get educated. All right, now here's the other thing. Super Shredder may be able to teleport, but there's a difference between using teleportation and mastering teleportation. Look, I know a lot of people who come from my MMA school and they're like, oh, I do jujitsu. I'm like, that's awesome. They talk a great game. And there may be like, you know, the first rank of blue belt, but put them up against a black belt or anyone else who knows the same moves, but their timing is better. Their sequences are better. They know how just to use it in different situations. And it's just a completely different martial art. That's what you do when you put someone who can use it versus someone who can master it. When it, when it comes to lightning, the reality is that uh, Nightcrawler has a ton of experience dealing with someone who shoots lightning or ha- controls lightning and weather really well. That's Storm from the X-Men. And he actually has a, a couple of wins over her in brawls too. So let me get to my point number three. And all is going to be resolved here. You know, I want to talk about big wins first. So Nightcrawler beats Spider-Man. And he only needed to hit him twice to do so. Uh, Again, he beat Spider-Man outright. Two really good shots, but just a clean win. Uh, He beat Beast from the X-Men. He beat Iceman, who's Ray's favorite Omega-level mutant. Uh, And then he beat Storm, another Omega-level mutant. And he did that one after the other after the other. He threw a kick at Beast. There's a tornado going. And during the tornado, he's teleporting. And he grabs Beast, whips him into Iceman, knocking both of them out. And then he takes out Storm using really good maneuverability. Again, he's mastered teleportation and knows how to really uh, be effective with it. You know, ask yourself this. How would Shredder do against Colossus and Rogue from the X-Men at the same time? Even if it was Super Shredder, how would he do? Not well. How would Nightcrawler do against Colossus and Rogue at the same time? He'd do great. He actually took on Colossus first, teleported, got in front of him, had Colossus Colossus run at him, teleported behind him, and his Colossus still moving. Boom, knocked him, got him into, I think it was some pit or whatever, took him out. Rogue came at him, teleported on on the back of Rogue, hands behind her eyes, and when she wasn't looking, took the eyes, teleported, and let her smash into a mountain face. He knows how to take on very powerful opponents in really unique ways. So let's talk about how Nightcrawler wins this fight specifically, as he has a number of ways to beat Shredder regardless. Okay, so the first one, I also think Nightcrawler can just outfight him using his skills. He's got experience, you know, the teleportation-based fighting style, something he's got. You know, I mentioned that in my last point. Remember, he's beaten out fought much more powerful opponents from the Marvel Universe than Shredder and even Super Shredder. You know, Colossus, Rogue, all these kind of people. He's beaten them outright. Let's see, he can use what he calls his teledrop. We mentioned this before. He teleports someone, actually this is different. He takes someone, teleports them miles into the air, and drops them. Now, as he's up in the air, what he does is he teleports, you know, 10 meters at a time to slow his fall down. And the other person hits the ground. He hits the ground. What's he do? Rinse and repeat if they're still alive. Picks him up, drops him again. He did that with uh, Omega Red, a very powerful mutant with all that super strength and everything else. Did that really effectively. Did that with another opponent called Neophyte. And this is someone who was a great fighter, taking on Colossus and everyone. Took him up high in the air, dropped him. That was it. He can teleport Shredder thousands of miles away and leave him there and come back. He can teleport Shredder to another dimension and also leave him there and come back. He can teleport Shredder into the middle of the ocean, to a volcano, to a tornado, leave him there and come back. That dimension thing is great because that's something he's done that's in character. He will teleport you somewhere and then just leave. Can Shredder teleport to another dimension? 
Doubt it. Highly doubt it. Battlefield removal, big way for him to win this. Here's another fun way Nightcrawler can win. He did this with a lot of success against Sabretooth, who's Wolverine's main enemy. So in that fight, and he did this with other characters too, the thing, he'd hold different size objects and just drop them right above him. But he did it in rapid succession. So here's a car on Sabretooth. Sabretooth's like trying to get out. All of a sudden, here's a bulldozer. He's trying to get out. All of a sudden, there's this thing. It doesn't tire him out. It would only tire him out if he took that bulldozer thousands of miles away, which he would not do in this fight. Here's another one. <laughs> this is really horrible. He can actually, uh, you know, teleport people's body parts off of them. Literally teleport an arm <laughs> off of someone. So he's fighting this character called Magus. And this is a, a techno-organic being who can grow the size of a star. Now he's growing super giant, whatever. He's got Colossus in his hand. He's crushing him. So what does Nightcrawler do? He grabs onto his other arm and teleports away with that chunk of his arm right? Gone. And now all of a sudden Magus is defeated or at least hurt. He's done that with Coloss uh, Sabretooth. He's done that with a whole bunch of powerful people. And the real fun way that he does is does this, and this is horrible and it's disgusting and it's gross. And you got to remember Nightcrawler's many things. He's really vicious when it's time to turn it on, which I think he may do with Shredder. And that's he teleports things into people. Right? So not only can he teleport into someone, he's done it before, where he touches their head and he teleports away with their head. He's done that before. But he can also teleport stuff into an object. So he's fighting this android version of the thing from the Fantastic Four. He's like, got it. Give me that car engine over there. He grabs it, holds it, teleports to the thing, and teleports the car engine into the thing's chest. He's teleported things into people's stomachs. He's teleported things into people's heads. It's a vicious move. He's a master of doing that. Look, between interdimensional teleportation, teleporting something off of the person, whether it's armor or a body part, which are all within character, or teleporting something into the person. Look, he's Super Shredder, and all of a sudden there's a steel post going through his head, something he could do, because he is that vicious, and he is good for rightful killings, by the way, because he's an X-Man, not Batman. This is why Nightcrawler beats Shredder, and that's my point number three. I mean, you're making a lot of theory crafting again right here. He has a teleportation power, so this is a thing he would do. I've read a lot of Nightcrawler. I've seen a lot of Nightcrawler. These are things I've never heard of before. These are He's things. He's done all and these also, things a number of times. And you've also said, oh, he was doing it to androids. Well, there's a big difference between doing it to a living creature and doing it to a robot. If he's doing that to robots, that's fine because my understanding of Nightcrawler is that he's a deeply religious character. He's the most religious character, perhaps outside uh, 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 of a preacher comic book, for gosh sake. So Nightcrawler, what, what is that pesky one of those Ten Commandments? Uh, uh, Thou shalt not kill. And I would have to believe that based on what you're saying, he's not going out of his way to kill anybody. He's not giving anybody more than they can handle that would kill them because he's the most devoutly religious character and thou shalt not kill. You said it yourself, James. He did it to an android. That's a huge difference between doing it to a living, breathing human being. And some of these combat fights, oh, he kicked Beast once and knocked him unconscious and then turned and then gave an elbow to Iceman and his head exploded like what are we even talking about with some of this bizarre writing you want to claim Iceman is an omega level mutant which he is not you don't get beat by a forearm smash to the noggin if you're an omega level mutant and storm just losing a lot of ground in my uh, uh, game right here but one important thing that we talked about in previous battle was battlefield removal and if and if kevin if you want to sit here and say oh nightcrawler can just teleport uh shredder away and then go back to the battlefield and win outright First off, yes, that's a legitimate way that he could allegedly win this battle, except the rules of who would win were amended last season to say that if you yourself have to move somebody physically with a teleportation act, 
and then teleport back. The battlefield exists where you left that person. That battlefield has to keep going where you left them. This is a very specific thing that came up in a previous battle. If you teleport somebody off the battlefield, you two are on a new battlefield. You keep fighting there. So if Nightcrawler then teleports away, he has lost. He has taken himself off the new field of battle for battlefield removal of himself. And I think, Kevin, that is exactly what Nightcrawler would do, thus losing him this fight. Kevin Goatee, you've heard three points from Ray. You've heard three points from me. Now is time for you to come up with a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us a story. Tell us who wins this battle between Nightcrawler and Shredder. Well, you kind of said something here that was very prophetic here, Mr. Gavzi, and that is never count Ray's Decanus out. Unless, of course, mm. it's a looks competition or a hair competition or a comedy competition. He's been wiped out of those since birth. But I will say... His impression of Johnny Cochran this round three has evened things up. He's taken a lot of piss, mm. a lot of wind out of the sails here. So I think it's only fair that we go to overtime. Well, you're going to have to tell us what that means, Kevin Goatee. Well, what does I that mean? <laughs> I want, I'll tell you what. Yeah, well, I, oh, I get to make the rules great. How about 30 seconds from each of you in a final salvo? Because I got this now dead even. Dead even. So 30 seconds apiece. Well, James, my... why don't you go ahead and tell us this uh, blob point that we're, that didn't appear on the show beforehand? <laughs> sure. Well, here's the thing. When when push comes to shove, Nightcrawler goes, goes for it, where it's teleporting someone's head off or teleporting a shark into someone's stomach and just leaving it there, letting it rip apart someone's insidey places or teleporting something into a body part or what have you and being vicious enough, that's something he will absolutely go for. He will do it. Remember... He's very fond of Wolverine, trained with him, and Wolverine's kind of rubbed off on him in a really cool way. That's why he does it. That's why the fighting style is not going to get to him. Shredders, as impressive as it is, he's already been there and done that in a much bigger way. Plus, he knows how to weaponize teleportation. And with, no, with one second to spare, brevity, I love it. How about you, Pepsi Free Boy? What are you, you're, you're already suffering from the after effects of the caffeine rush. Let's see what you got in that final, final push for the end. Look, all I have to say about this is you want to talk about, oh, Nightcrawler's willing to go there. Well, Shredder is an evil ninja master. So when it comes to who's willing to go there, I'm going to take the evil ninja lord mastermind over the devout, pure-hearted Catholic boy every single time on a field of battle. His entire body is a weapon. His entire body is made of blades. He becomes a super-powered individual and at the end of the day just has too much endurance and if Nightcrawler tries to teleport him away, Nightcrawler loses. Wow. So ex Ooh, so exciting, as one Blade said in the film. Blade. Well, I like what I saw out of one person because they stuck to their guns, and I really like to hammering home the one point. And I declare the winner of this battle... James Gavsey. Oh, and that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the genius of Kevin Guti. <laughs> Look, I, I, I had a little chuckle out of the, the Nightcrawler pulling the fatality moves out. Uh, 
I, I don't, the, the assassination of his character being a Christian who that's that whatever. I'm here about fighting. I'm here about fighting. I don't care about his character. Who cares if he's a you know a Christian, whatever his religious beliefs is. As long as he <laughs> fights well, I don't care what he is. But uh, Shredder's great. But the uh, needing to have the mutagen as a as a secondary weapon that on him, I think that also plays a little bit of effect. But and I and listen, you made a great point about countering his uh, te- uh, teleportation off the battlefield. That's fair, so that's why you you got right back in the race. But in the end, I, I don't know how many times you've gone overtime, or am I the first one to declare such a thing in this first fine- one ever? Yeah, well, listen, all the greats are pioneers, and here I am. So there you have it, James Gasby. Take your well do bow. Thank you. I was awarded a crown last battle from Robert Clark Chan. I'll retain that crown right now and wear it proudly and represent the Legion of Audience, the good people, the fan base of who would win the way they should be represented. Race to Canis. Can you screenshot you race? Can you can you screenshot race sulky face right now and make that your avatar, James? Because that is worth a th- no, nay, ten thousand words. <laughs> I could. I have an agreement with our sponsors, so I I can't. They wouldn't have that. <laughs> race to Canis. It was a well fought battle. How do you feel knowing that we went to overtime? You were this close to victory, yet you came up just a little bit short. Man, uh, given that this is the first time we've ever gone to overtime on the Who Would Win show, I would also like to point out it is the last time we will ever be going to overtime on the Who Would Win show. You talk about, oh, I don't care about the character of the person involved in the battle. It is literally one of the requirements of talking points is staying in character during the fight. Did you not listen? Listen, I've got a question for you in the third degree. We'll deal with it on Patreon. You know, I got to tell you, Ray, I loved your um, strategy of saying I'm using the animated version of Shredder. I got to tell you, that made me really nervous because there's a lot that you could pull from. And I'm not familiar with every animated iteration or version of Shredder. That was genius. Love that tactic. Well played. This could have gone either way. Again, whenever it goes overtime, it's a flip of a coin. Luckily, it went my way. Now, listen, Kevin, there's a reason whenever you come on the show, it's always enjoyable and really nerve wracking because I never know where you're going (laughs) with any of this and yet again here we are and i'm just like i'm sweating buckets i'm like oh my god breathing hard i had no idea we're gonna take us to overtime first time everyone who would win all i gotta say is well played sir thank you listen i'm not just you know some guys gonna be a cookie cutter judge here like the delvin cox of the world just kidding delvin i love you thank you but listen, I'm here to create, have some fun. I'm here to make things magical. And if you think that's magical, if you think that off-the-cuff stuff is really fun, you should come check out guttingthesacredcow.com as well as our podcast, Gutting the Sacred Cow, on all podcast platforms and YouTube because hilarity is abound, especially when James and Ray are our guests, as they have been four times combined, I believe. That's true. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, and again, Legion of Audience, check out Gutting the Sacred Cow. I don't know if you guys know this. I don't actually say, hey, recommend this podcast, whatever, you know, when our guest judges come on, I do. But this one is a show. This is a show. It's not a podcast. Gutting the Stick of Cow is a show. Should be on television. It is awesome. I'll just leave it at that. Kevin, with that being said, please tell everyone where they can find you online. Guttingthesacredcow.com. You can find us at, on Twitter, GTSC Podcast. On all the socials, again, live show in North Jersey, 10 minutes outside New York City on the 26th of March, Saturday night. Check that out. YouTube, do us a favor and smash that subscribe button for we could use the help there big time. KevinGoatee.com, at KevinGoatee, and that is K-E-V-I-N-G-O-O-T-E-E. 
Facebook.com for all dates and hilarity and shenanigans and whimsy and all that good stuff. And uh, boys, God, I I stay up late for a lot of things, but I have a smile on my face when I stay up late with you. That's what we. That's what we're here for. To put a smile on everyone's face. Speaking of smiling faces, race to Canis again. <laughs> my hat is off to you. You were fantastic. You have been bringing it. You're still ahead in the season, by the way. So I've I got know. to catch up to and wins. All right, Ray. Tell everyone where they can find you online, please. Now, real talk. I don't normally suggest or go out of my way to say <laughs> you should listen to the podcast that our judges uh, are on. And I won't today either. Obviously, after hearing that decision, I wouldn't blame you if you never wanted to listen to Gutting the Sacred Cow again until I come back on the show. No harm, no foul with that viewpoint. Sorry, Kevin. Now, obviously, a a great injustice was done today. I was worried the first time around when I did Shredder on the show that we had a judge who walked in the door already knowing who he was going to give the victory to before the first word of the first uh, sentence was even spoken. And if you go back and listen to that episode, I think it definitely uh, shows. I think it definitely is transparent, and it is definitely disappointing. Now, I would say walking in the door today, our esteemed judge, Kevin Goatee, obviously brought an agenda after I destroyed the Transformers movie, destroyed the Highlander movie on gutting the sacred cow, and he decided he was going to take it out on a superior argument today, and I find that disgusting. I, Absolutely you, disgusting. You you successfully gutted the Highlander cow. I gave you full credit for doing so. But then I, again, that cow already had hepatitis A, B, and C, and all you did was sneeze in its <laughs> mouth. Let's be honest. I, I, I take no pleasure in putting down the infirmed, but that's what the Highlander movie was all about. And I won Transformers 2, but just because you like the cartoon series of the 80s, which has nothing to do with what I was talking about, you suddenly decided I didn't. That's water under the bridge at this point, but it's a bridge that's covering sewage. My point I'm trying to make here is Shredder, Super Shredder, the teleportation, all of the victories, all of the great physical feats that Nightcrawler has no answer for clearly got him the victory today. I will say after last week's battle. You should have mentioned number- how hard he was to play against in the video game. That would have brought a little I mean, few points to, to that. It's an animated version, so that would have counted. Can we go back and uh, add a thing? Welp. Sorry, Lay. Right, this is just like Matt Stafford. That boat's left. Ooh. Yeah, but it's, it's going to win next time then. That's all I'm hearing. <laughs> So after the last battle, the number of people who came out of the woodwork to reach out to me to say Ray was robbed. That was one of the most terrible decisions we ever heard. Robert Clark Chan obviously had a vendetta for you in this battle. When are you going to find a judge who lets personal differences aside and listens to the facts of the battle? And what I'm going to have to write back to all those people is not this week. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. <laughs> hashtag Ray is right. Hashtag Ray was robbed. And I have one more thing to add. I'd like to say hashtag release the goatee cut now. That's a Ray. That's hashtag, a Ray. That, that's a Ray and I joke. Yes, not it is. I, I, I'm in on that one. I like that one. Okay. Um, okay. I like uh, hashtag hashtag Ray. Use your inside voice. Uh, hashtag. <laughs> you should hear me when I'm trying to get attention. Counts. How dare you? <laughs> Before the, for Legion of Audience, uh, seriously, uh, sign up for Patreon and become a Who Would Win patron so you can get an idea of how well raised people skills work on judges before a fight. 
<laughs> just saying maybe you want to keep that to the end of the battle as opposed to kind of go full Ray. You don't want to go full Ray before the battle starts. Check out Patreon to see what I'm talking about. All right, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. Remember to join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Hoodwin Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you go for your podcast. Just subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. Tell us how much you love us because we love you too. On behalf of Geek and Game Culture, Race to Canis, myself, Kevin Guti, and everyone else who makes this show absolutely amazing, Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey, gang. I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash who would win show right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Sup, everyone. Brian here, host of the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? What are Tony Stark's last words to Thanos in Avengers Endgame? And where does Ron Burgundy say he is when he calls the news station sobbing from a phone booth? I've covered The Office, Harry Potter, Marvel, Will Ferrell movies, Lord of the Rings, and more, with even more on the way. So play along to the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast anywhere you get podcasts, and stay tuned for more trivia! At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.